Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Ryan McNulty of the New York-based outfit called the Black Tie Brass. The group was formed by Ryan in 2013, full of musicians that feed off each other's energy to create a rare musical performance night after night. Their sound is unique in the world of jazz. It blends jazz, funk, R&B, soul, and rock. And this close-knit bunch feeds off a huge well of music energy and experiences. Over the course of our interview, Ryan discusses the band, what is in store for the future, some tasty stories, along with much more. Please dig this interview, my friends. Thanks for taking some time out to talk with me. Yeah, I'm excited. Let me go ahead and dive right in here, and let's get started here with the uh, Black Tie Brass and find out what has been going on with you lately. Yeah, well, uh, we've been busy here uh, doing a whole lot of stuff. We've been doing uh, some different recording sessions for some different people. We work as... uh, both as our own group, the, the full funk jazz band, and uh, we also work as a horn section and a backing band for a bunch of different groups. Tell me, what what is Oscar the Grouch the song about? <laughs> so, uh, actually, I wrote uh, most of the songs uh, ex- on the album, except for Butterfly and the Chicken. But uh, Oscar the Grouch, I was listening to uh, the Philadelphia Experiment. They put out an album, and one of their big tunes on it was Grover. So I was listening to that a lot, and then, you know, this melody just came to me. And uh, I was so inspired by Grover that I uh, just kept going with the Sesame Street uh, idea. Decided to call it Oscar the Grouch. It's not technically about Sesame Street, but, uh, I mean, I guess it could be. It's a, it's kind of, it's a, it's a dirty kind of tune. It's got that real uh, grit groove to it. It works. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I have a whole new perspective on Oscar the Grouch and Sesame Street. Uh, Carol Kinney, the guy that plays Oscar the Grouch and Big Bird, there was a documentary that was out, and he was supposed to be in that 1986 space shuttle, and his suit was too big, so that's why they had the school teacher in there. Oh, wow. (laughs) So when I was thinking about, oh, my God, the magnitude of if Big Bird was actually in there, I mean, that would have been in a very unceremonious way, that would have been the end of Oscar and Big Bird. So every time I see those names anymore, I have a whole new level of perspective on, oh, my God, you know, they're still around and um, all of that. So it's a great song. It's one that I'm going to specifically play on the show. So let me go back to the beginnings of the band, 2013. How did everything begin? How did you all come together? What was kind of the Big Bang that happened? The band formed in 2013 as as it is now with some very slight changes. But really, we've all been we've all known each other and played in groups since 2008. The whole group has gone through um, CW Post. Well, now it's called LIU Post, which is a uh, a college here on Long Island, and we all met through there. What I went into my undergrad in 2008, and so did my keyboard player Jason, and the bass player was a sophomore. Charles. So we, the three of us, met then, and we're playing in jazz band together, jazz combos, doing outside of school gigs, different things, as many different named groups. Then I went and started my masters up at SUNY Purchase, and uh, then a year. So then we didn't play together. No, the whole group didn't play for a year together at all. And then uh, in 2013. We got together to do a uh, private event at a uh, restaurant uh, in here on Long Island, 
and we hadn't played for a year, so this is the first time we didn't have a rehearsal. We just met up. We were going to play some standards. We were just going to have some fun, and uh, it was so different. The, there was something more there. There was, you know, everyone was playing on a whole new level. There was so much good stuff happening that we looked at each other and said, we have to make this a thing. We have to, we have to pursue this. You know, it, it started as us just playing standards, playing, you know, there will never be another you, you know, all the things you are, those, you know, things out of the rule book. Then yeah. we played, then we started playing some more funkier jazz tunes, such as Red Clay, you know, Butterfly, those kind of fusion feeling things. And we were getting people talking to us saying, what happened? How did, this is fantastic. You know, pe- people coming up to us as we're playing, asking us about it. So we really knew then we, we had hit on something that was, people didn't know jazz could sound like this. You know, then in 2013, we started playing more gigs. We did, uh, we did a very small recording session, just putting out some demos on SoundCloud. And uh, it took off from there. You know, we started playing more in Manhattan. You know, this past year, I think we've played, I don't even know, maybe 50 gigs. It's, it's really exploded in this past year. So it, it's, it's really been a crazy ride. And it's only been not very long. That we've been together. So I'm going to get back to the band, but I want to kind of talk about you as the brain trust in this band. Were you born and raised up there in New York and Long Island? Yeah, I was. I was. I was uh, born on Long Island, raised in New York here. And, uh, you know, actually the whole whole band is actually born and raised on Long Island in New York. Being that close to such a massive cauldron of jazz, did you grow up seeing jazz musicians? What was the influence of New York on your music brain? You know, you see music all the time. You, you're you surrounded by so much music. It's crazy. I remember seeing Carl Denson when I was 15, and I went to B.B. King's, and, you know, th- through some family relation, I'm somehow related to Carl. And uh, we went, and it was... It was incredible. You know, you go, you, you're able to go into Manhattan. It's a half-hour train ride. Some of my earliest memories with my father, and I'm sure the other guys in the band have this too, was going into Manhattan and seeing a show, seeing Broadway shows, seeing, you know, live jazz, going to, you know, the Blue Note. It's, uh, you're, you're always around so much music that, you know, it's not shocking that Black Five Brass turned into this, melting pot, really, of all these different genres, because, you know, you sit in traffic on the highway and you're hearing 90 different styles of music, you know, (laughs) it's just all around you. So how key has it been that each of the band members has this kind of diverse palette of musical tastes? Extremely key to our group's success. We, We never get bored. We can't get bored. It's because someone else is bringing something new to what we're doing. And it's it's really fantastic. You know, the bass player is going to give you a lick, or they're going to, you know, we, we've been playing Oscar the Grouch. We've been playing these tunes for over a year now. And I really, almost every gig, it's been different. Someone's doing a different groove over it. They're changing it just slightly just to make it fresh for ourselves, for our listeners, for for everyone. It, it's constantly changing. And that that comes from just what we're listening to on the way there, you know, when we, when we get to a gig, we turn off our cars, the the songs that are going on in our car is different. 
for the five cars that we take there, seven cars we take there. Yeah. And that influences exactly what we do on the bandstand because we're, we're constantly uh, reacting to what everyone else is doing. So your band has elements of jazz, funk, uh, R&B, and rock. Now, that's what's in your bio. That's kind of the tagline. How would you personally describe your sound? Uh, I would say we're a mixture of a brass band front with the three horns and a funk band behind us. That it, right. it really, uh, it, it's such a such a crazy experience. You know, having the three horns in front that people are not really sure what they're going to get. And then yeah. they, they, we have this crazy rhythm section behind us. It's, re, it's really like an electric experience. Since the, the focus of what we do at Neon Jazz is jazz, I know there's different elements that are going on here. I want to ask, what, who do you consider your jazz heroes? For me, it was definitely Charles Mingus was the biggest influence on me in what he did. And he was my first composer that I just latched onto and heard everything of his. Mm-hmm. I got Mingus Alm in sophomore year of high school, and if it was possible to burn out a CD, I think I did. I <laughs> just kept going with that CD, and the ideas that came from that and that way that he composed those songs and got his players to do such great things, really, even now, I constantly am coming back to what Mingus did, finding out more about his recording sessions, finding out more about his stylistic ideas. That was really my my first and largest influence on what I do. Sticking in this nostalgic groove right here, if you could go back in time anywhere on a jazz DeLorean, so to speak, and see a show and see it anywhere at any time, where would you go? You know, uh, I would probably go see A Love Supreme when he played it live, when Coltrane played it live in France. The only time he played the whole thing live. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that that's such a you know what they did with with that album uh, enough can't be said about it. It was such a new thing. There was so much to it that I would have loved to be there and to have like felt that. I mean, if there was ever an album in the annals of history that was named the right way and appropriately, it's that album. Right, right. Um, let me ask you this is on, on on a personal level, what's what's the greatest thing about waking up every day? I get to play music every day. I, uh, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't play music, write music, or arrange something. It's, uh, you know, whether I'm teaching some of my own students, whether I'm going to a gig, whether I'm going to a session, every day is all about um, my favorite thing to do on the earth. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's, nothing's bad. It's great. It's great to wake up and just play any style of music that I want and to really dig into it. Funny enough, it was my first tattoo. My first tattoo was the word music on my left arm. You know, there's not there's not many careers that you can tattoo what you're doing <laughs> on your body. You know, I don't I don't know of any accountants that are uh tattoo and accounting on them. I mean if they yeah. want to, that's cool. But uh I don't know of many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be a sad tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are relatively new together, really kind of hit the thing now. Let's say in 10 years we talk, and I ask you right up front, what's been going on? What are you going to want to tell me has happened? You know, it was great winning all those Grammys this year. <laughs> you know, 
you know, I want to be talking about um, the collaborations we're doing, the uh, world tours we're doing, you know, bringing our music to as many people as we can. You know, I, I want to, I want to just keep going. I want it to explode. You know, everybody that witnesses your music, whether they're listening to it or they see you at a show, everybody's going to have their perception of who you all are. Give me a story about you guys on the road or just a good story that's safe for radio that would allow the listeners to get to know the black tie brass a little better. So last summer, the horn section uh, drove down to uh, southern New Jersey for a show with this pop group we work with, the uh, Nick Tangora Band. So we drove down. It took us about five hours to drive there. and We were in the car together, the three of us, all, all our gears in the car, and we left at 8, 9 in the morning, and uh, that's pretty early for us. Uh, so <laughs> driving, and we're, we're having a great time. We're talking the whole time. We're we're cracking up. The five hours, you know, I got stuck in traffic. We got, we got stuck in traffic all over the place, and it was one of the best car rides I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, what happened about an hour out, from our destination at Wildwood, my trumpet player, uh, Randy, falls asleep for, I think, five minutes. And he wakes up, and he says, did you guys see that? No, Randy, we didn't see that. You were asleep. He said, oh, I saw a beagle with a witch's hat. And I said, really? Where was this beagle? He says, oh, it was in one of the cars. Now we're trying to find this, this ridiculous thing that he has seen. It turns out he dreamed it and woke up and told us this. And it, it's such a running gag now. Uh, you know, it's, I'm tempted to have it be our next album art. You know, it, we got to know each other by starting to play in this group. But really, we're such good friends now, all of us. We drove back later that day. We drove back the five hours in the same day. So we drove ten hours in one day all together, and it was great. No, we didn't get upset. It was just a blast. That's all I can say about... Uh, you know, this bond that we have now as a band. You all obviously love jazz. Tell me why do you love jazz? It's the improvisation aspect of it. You go up there and you go up on stage, whether the stage is an elevated thing, whether you're playing for 100 people or you're playing for 10. It doesn't change what we do. We're going up there and we are trying to play our best. We are trying to, you know, really say something with our solos, you know, I, I have this uh, this theory that if you're truly improvising, you can't lie. If you're really saying what you're feeling, you can't lie. You can put on a mask. I think you can, like, act. But if you're truly to your core improvising the way that you are, it's impossible to be dishonest. I think bearing that in front of an audience and playing as raw as you can and as true is such a cathartic experience sometimes it's euphoric it's the reason why we do exactly what we do that's a great answer and i think that's a, a, a real powerful way to kind of exit man good luck hopefully everything just keeps getting better and better yeah thank you very much you know thanks for this opportunity thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another neon jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in new york kansas city and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz and thanks to ryan for his time and jazz charms if you want to hear more interviews go to famous interviews with joe domino on the itunes store or visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz until next time enjoy the music my friends
Neon Jazz.